One thing I wanted to tell you before I get into this this morning is that we've heard uh, just today that Doug Oliver's life uh, has come to an end. Tom and Brittany, of course, have been uh, part of our church for a long time, and uh, Doug is Tom's father and Brittany's father-in-law, and he passed away yesterday morning after a long, long battle with cancer. It has been a long time that we've been praying for Doug, so it's unfortunate, uh, but he goes to a much better better place and a, a fitting reward for his life. We're grateful for that. Now, he had to go through Samaria. I'm in verse 4. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? You can just hear the incredulous kind of tone in her voice. You just can't believe he's doing this. For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Clearly, she doesn't get it. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from, him, drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come here to draw water. She still doesn't get it clearly. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that today you would bless us as we consider these things, this story, these words from Jesus and the response of this woman. Father, I pray that you'd help Scripture to speak to us. Use your spirit to cut into our hearts, to shape our minds, to shape our souls as we consider the word today. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. I have preached uh, this text before. And 
I think I have preached it wrongly. It is common when people turn to John chapter 4 and read the story of the woman at the well to talk about the fact that she is a woman, that she is a Samaritan, that she is a woman of questionable character, that she was probably shunned by her friends, that she is there at the heat of the day when no one else is, that Jesus takes the time to talk to her, that he approaches her in a certain way, that he engages her, speaks to her in images and in pictures, including all the episodic photos even of her own life, that he gets to share with her about herself, that he builds relationship with her, shares truth with her, that he provides her with answers that speak to where she is. And all that stuff is good. Now, what preachers usually do at this point is they say, and this is the style of evangelism that we need to use in speaking to people. We need to approach people like this. This is how Jesus approached people. This is how he approached her. And there is something very good about that, something very valid about that, and I don't want to take that away. But this morning, instead of focusing specifically on that, I want to focus on one thing. And that is that Jesus is the one who gives to us living water. Jesus is the one who gives to us living water. The fact is, we live in a world filled with women just like this. In fact, my own family has women in it just like this. Now, thank God, Robin's not one of them. But we have, in our family, women like this. So much, in fact, of my extended families like this. And you know people like this. They are hurting people. And life has beaten them up. And they need living water, the kind of water that only Jesus can give. And I'm not talking just specifically about immoral women, women who've been with numerous men. I'm talking about women who simply hurt. There are people who simply hurt, for whom life is not a pleasant experience, who say to themselves things like, I wish I'd never been born. I want things to be different. And of course, they aren't just women. They are men who battle with life. Who love the bottle more than they love their jobs. And sometimes their families. They are men who love pornography as much as they do their wives. There are men who have been unsuccessful in a world that trades only in success. They are they who say to themselves, I could have been somebody. And they're not. And they know it. And they now live in a world of shattered dreams of what could have been. And their naive, innocent hopes were taken away a long time 
ago. They are men who've lost everything, who sleep on the streets, who sleep with multiple partners, who sleep with no one. But they used to sleep with somebody. And they do no longer. And now they just don't want to be lonely. This is who we deal with in our world. So Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. But this, this source of living water is exactly what she doesn't know. She knows nothing of those kinds of gifts. She knows gifts which are totally different. And I wouldn't even say they're real gifts. I'm sure she's received gifts before. But these are meaningless gifts, temporary gifts, the kinds of gifts that men give to women that they're going to be with for a while. But she knows nothing of the riches that come with the kind of gift Jesus is offering. And then, of course, it's not just a gift that he offers. It's a who. It's himself. And she knows nothing about this great gift who is standing before her and what he can do for her. What she does know is that she doesn't like coming here day after day in the heat of the day all by herself to draw water. She doesn't like being alone. She has no choice, though. All the other women from the town, they've scorned her. The reason she's out there in the heat of the day, the middle of the day, all by herself is because nobody else wants to be with her. Everybody else, all the other women would come together to the well. They would come in the morning. They would come in the evening. She has to come in the heat of the day. She has no other choice. She doesn't like her reputation, and yet she is her reputation. She doesn't like what she will be when she goes home, when she leaves the well. She doesn't like what she'll come back to when she comes to the well tomorrow all by herself again. And when she bends over the well to draw water and happens to see her own reflection at the bottom, she for certain won't like that. She remarks that the well is deep. Maybe it's easier that way. Maybe her reflection is not quite so clear. You know who of when I think of this story? I think of our friends who come here. I think of Faye. I think of Lorne. I think of Gabriel. Lorne's brother who's dead. I think of Tom. I think of Debbie Anderson. Debbie Anderson was a girl that I worked with in the church in California. And at the time, Debbie was on heroin, using cocaine consistently. I remember the time I took her to a youth rally, and we went with 500 other teenagers to this Christian gathering, and about two days into it, she brings me all of her drug paraphernalia and gives it to me in a little box, and I had to deal with it. Debbie's dead. The reason she died is because she contracted AIDS. I think of Peter Jabowski. For about 10 years, 
Peter came to the church building in Victoria once a week or so, and we fed him. And one day I read in the newspaper that Peter's body had been found in the inner harbor in Victoria. He had either been pushed in, fallen in, drowned. I think of my sister Sandy, my own sister, who has been on drugs her whole adult life. And when I saw her last time, three or four years ago, she looked 10 years older than me. She's one year younger. And to be honest, I barely recognized her. Because that's what crystal meth does to you after years and years and years and years of using it. And then I have to admit, I think of my own father. Who in his own way hurt so badly and, and drank to cover up his own hurts. And then I think of me. And I think of you. We all have a past. So many of us live a parched, dry, lifeless existence in the present. We are fatigued by life. Today, we don't go to wells to get water. We get water from a tap. We buy bottled water at a store. We are just as weary, just as needy, just as lonely. Instead of the reputation of going, the repetition of going to a well every day, we mount the same treadmill day after day ourselves. We go through the motions just like this woman did, going to a well day after day and needing living water and finding only water. Now, Jesus describes what he offers as water. Water is necessary for life. Water is life-giving. Water refreshes. It renews. It cleanses. It cools. It quenches. It's water that holds us together for one more day. It's water that relieves our parched throats, that rinses away sweat, that washes away the grime of life. And it washes away sins. The fact is, our world is entering a phase when truly wonderful clean water is at a premium. Do you know that only 3% of the world's water is fresh water? And two-thirds of that's tucked away in frozen glaciers or is otherwise unreachable by us? As a result, there are 1.1 billion people worldwide who lack adequate access to water, and a total of 2.7 billion who find water scarce for at least a month out of the year. Sanitation is a problem for 2.4 billion people because they don't have enough water to clean things up. And so they're exposed to diseases, cholera, typhoid, waterborne illnesses. Two million people, mostly children, die each year because they don't have adequate water. Now that tells me that we live in an especially blessed place. Man, we live in a blessed place. Can you imagine? We have a river here that flows right through the middle of our town that it constantly has fresh water, at least on the north side of town. But we also have the elbow that brings fresh water right into town for us. Do you realize how few people in our world have access to that kind of water? It is amazing how blessed we are. One of these days, and I don't think it's very far off, water is going to become, in fact, it's there now, water is so much a commodity and it is going to become expensive to have water. 
Water is an incredibly needy commodity in our world. People need it so badly. And yet this water is needed even more. Jesus describes his water as living. It's not running water. It's living water. It's not just water required for life. It's water that's alive. This water doesn't just provide life. It is life. Because it's Jesus who gives himself to those who need him and who need life. And this woman needs life. She needs new life. She needs real life. She needs abundant life. And that's exactly what Jesus is offering to her. And it's only this water, it's only living water that gives life. It's only this water that could make it so that she would never thirst again. In fact, her life could become a wellspring of this water. An ever abundant, ever flowing, ever satisfying well of life for her. Now, it's interesting, the word for life. Is there anybody in here named Zoe? Anybody in here who has a child named Zoe? I know there will be in the second service. You know the word Zoe means life? That's the kind of life that's being talked about here. We're not talking about bios, which is biological life. We're talking here about Zoe, Zoe, the Greek word for abundant life, real life, fantastic life, fulfilling life. And that's exactly what Jesus is offering to this woman. This kind of real, abundant, fulfilling life. A life that brings lasting joy, lasting satisfaction, at a level that goes far deeper than the well from which this woman deeply draws. You know, we often talk about Jesus talking to this woman. That was taboo, but he does it. Jesus does seek her out. He does build relationship with her. But this story is really about evangelist, not about, not about evangelistic method. This story is about reaching the lives of people who have all the kinds of needs that she has. And Jesus reaches them with the blessing of living water. Now it's interesting, at the very end, Jesus talks about worship in spirit and truth. And sometimes we do this with this passage. We say, we're supposed to worship in spirit, which is excitement. And we're supposed to worship in truth which is all of these rules in Scripture about how to worship, totally misses the point. Because the context of these verses are not talking about how we're supposed to worship in true ways. It's not talking just about how we're supposed to be alive with some big smile on our face when we worship. This passage is talking about allowing Jesus to live in you so that the living water that is Jesus that is in you comes out and worship in that way. Your whole life becomes an abundant life of worship to Jesus who fills you. That's what abundant life is about. That's what living water is about. We don't focus on the content of what our worship is supposed to be, the steps of worship that we're supposed to take, the things that we're supposed to include in our worship time. That's not what this is about. We need to talk about that worship is a way of life impacted by the living water of Jesus that is in us, which causes us to worship him in spirit and truth. Here, the life of the spirit comes together with the truth That Jesus is the one who offers living water. Putting the broken person who understands this in a position of authentic relationship and worship to the only one who is really able to give life.
And so Jesus calls her to life-giving, living water relationship so that he can live within her and change her life. So what do we do with this? Two things. First, we know that around us everywhere there are walking dead ones. We know that there are weary ones. We know there are thirsty ones. We know they have needs. Jesus approached her. We need to approach these people. The question is, whom do you know that needs this living water? And will you deny this thirsty person the opportunity to come and drink? You know, next week is Easter Sunday. Bring someone who needs to drink the living water of Jesus with you to church next Sunday. The second thing is, there are times when you yourself likely feel parched. It may feel like life is one big dry spell. I can't tell you how it is that we're going to fix our planet's water problems, but I can tell you how to find an answer to the dried out parched existence that so many feel. And the answer is the living water of Jesus Christ. It starts with the forgiveness of sins, which is itself free and life-giving, but it continues with the wellspring of life that he can create within you. If you've tried him, let me encourage you to try him again. If you ask him, he will give you living water. There is simply no other source for the quenching of our thirst for abundant life. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us and help us to honor and serve you this day. But more than that, I pray that you would help us to reach into a world where people thirst. And they need you. They need living water. Help us to find them. And Father, where, where we are ourselves, those thirsty, parched souls, bless us with your living water. Bless us with Jesus. It's through him we pray. Amen.